This episode is brought to you by Noble Pet Foods. No nonsense, no bull. Go to noblefoods.com, use promo code DOGTALK15, and they'll deliver dog food to your house with Noble. Welcome to Talking with the Dogs. Today we have Ambassador Scott DeLisi, who I am so excited to have. Uh, we are going to talk about his dog, Loki, the ambassador's dog, based on his book, which I think every person should have who's interested in dogs, talking with dogs, understanding dogs, connecting them, and his work as he's an ambassador in diplomacy and working with people across cultures and how we understand our dogs, which many of you know who that I'm on a mission to understanding dogs, but how we understand our dogs and interact with them relates to our work with people professionally and privately. And his book is a masterpiece, The Ambassador's Dog. He was already interviewed, was previous, one of his interviews that I love is on National Public Radio. And I was telling him before we got started today that I see this episode chatting with me as part two you know, in my own special way of the National Public Radio interview. So for those of you who want even more, there's that interview, but we're gonna take it further um, so that we can make the most of, of Ambassador DeLisi's time and his story and where he and Loki and his dog family and his people family are today. And we have a dog for those of you who may want to watch on YouTube. Uh, I will post this and you can see dogs as they come and go. One of his dogs just decided to join the conversation in the background. But Ambassador Delisi, welcome to Talking with the Dogs podcast. Thank you very much, Liz. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. So, yay. Uh, you met Loki on a trail. And it, it's sort of funny because you were already working in Nepal, correct? That's correct. And how long had you been there? I'd been in Nepal about two years at the time that I set, a, set out on the trek. And in fact, in fact, we are almost today as we're doing this interview, we are almost two years to the day uh, from the day I met Loki. Oh, wow. Well, happy anniversary. Yes. Gotcha day. A lot of people like to I, I, excuse, 10 years, 10, yeah. 10 years. No, is it? Gosh. Yeah. I guess it's 10 years or 10 years. Yes. 10 years Time to the day. Flies. Yeah. So, okay. So, so a lot of people think to have a mystical, magical experience, find themselves the meaning of like, they need to go on a, t a trek in Tibet <laughs> or Nepal, right? And they go to the Himalayas and you were working there and you had one. I, I did, though I would, I would argue that, that, that we don't need to go to the Himalayas to have this kind of an experience, but that the experience was a reminder to me that that there is, there is wonder and there is beauty and there is mystery all around us every day, if only our hearts and our eyes are open to seeing them. And I happen to have my eyes open one day on a trail you know, up on the border with Tibet and Nepal, but this can happen anywhere at any time. And it's, it is a reminder that these things are part of our lives, but we have to be, to be aware, to be open to them. So people who are interested in these kind of experiences will often, you know, oh, well, that's 
whether it's woo woo or whatever, but I mean, you were an ambassador, you were very much, you know, a, a professional, uh, working, representing our country. And yet you're still having these experiences. And that's one of the things that I love is that whether somebody comes to, um, an, a new kind of understanding is that you can use it in your professional life. We just don't talk about it enough. And I'm wondering, had you had any or many experiences prior to this? Of, of what sort? <laughs> okay, of where, so for the backstory, because um, you were walking and right. you tell us how, what, tell us what happened. Uh, well, we were on a trek and up on the Tibetan Plateau in Nepal. We were, and this was work, whether this was for work, uh, we were up at, we have a cultural preservation program. And we were looking at projects that we had participated in and looking for new opportunities to help to preserve a culture that really is a treasure for the world. And in the process, build our relationship with the people of both that region and of the nation as a whole. And the challenge of, of doing this sort of work in Nepal is there are many areas of the country where if you want to do this, you're going to do it on foot. You're going to be trekking. You know, it goes, you know, as we say, it goes in on your back or on a yak, but you know, the, there's no motorized vehicles or anything else where we were going. So we were, we were trekking this one morning. Uh, we had started from the village of Sarang and we were on our way to the Logegar Monastery, which is this fantastic uh, monastery that is centuries and centuries old and has a tremendous backstory about that that I won't go into at the moment. Um, but we had gotten to the base of the hill before the monastery, a little village of Chakre, and I was a little bit ahead of the rest of the group, a uh, few of us. And I thought it might be a good idea to stop and catch our breath because I'm not a young man and it was almost 12,000 feet and it was time to take a deep breath. And when I took my deep breath and I looked about there on the side of the hill, tied to a piece of rebar pounded into the ground, tied up with a, an old blessing scarf, wrapped around his neck and tied to the rebar was a puppy. And this puppy, I would have missed him, I think, because his coat reflected the colors of the land, of Mustang. It was as if the dust that is blown in the wind had embedded itself in his coat. But his eyes were these brilliant blue eyes and they just, they captivated me. And he was staring right at me. And he looked at me and he said, die, which means older brother. He said, die, come here. So of course I did. And I went over and I sat with the puppy and the puppy jumped into my lap and he licked my hands and he put his paws here, looked me in the eye, licked me on the cheek. And he said, die, you do not know this, but I'm your dog. And I said, hmm, so you may be right. And he said, I am. And we began a conversation. Now, and I know this, yeah. Right. So, it, so the odd thing is trying to do this interview uh, that you referred to on National Public Radio, this was on Here and Now. It's a news program. Right. So they were trying to make sense of why are, we, why are we even doing this? But it was because the interviewer who we had encountered had been captivated by the story and because this does matter. It's a way of thinking about the world, the way, a way of how we communicate, how we engage, right. how we, we build upon our experiences in life to shape our direction, if you will. So in any event, though, 
this dog and I began the conversation. Uh, there were doubters. I had a young, one of my young officers who was with me, one of my public affairs officers came up to me at one point and said, sir, sir, you know, we, we really, we have to keep going and we have, we have to go up to the monastery and sir, you, you know, this dog isn't really talking to you, right? We're at 12,000 feet, the air is thin. And I said, Kane, son, shh, quiet. I'm having a good conversation with the pup. Um, so that's how it all began. Uh, so that was that, that was that backstory, I guess. Well, that's great. That's great. And I think it's important. Now, did you ever hear an animal talk to you prior to this? Did, did I ever hear an animal talk to me? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I did. I don't think that I could say that. Since that time, I have been struck again and again. I've always, yeah, like many people, I love animals, I like animals. I mm -hmm. love my dogs, I've, we had cats, we've had all sorts of animals. You always feel connected. Right. But I'm not sure that I heard that voice. Since then though, since then, I, and I don't know if it's, there's a greater, that we're aware of the potential for this sort of communication, mm -hmm. for this connection to be even deeper than we might first imagine. And Loki has just, just walked on in. Hi, bye. Hi, Loki. Perfect timing. Loki, can you say hi? Hi, <laughs> do you want to add anything? So he, I do get a sense as an animal communicator, Loki has added that, you know, he, he's, it's like he says, and for people can have their knowings differently. Like, Ambassador DeLisi heard a voice. I hear voices. Some people only get images that they know a dog is showing them. But I hear from Loki, and I hear it in English. And I think that when animals communicate, they somehow it's filtered. And it's one of the mysteries that I don't haven't explored the the language difference but what i'm getting from loki is that he has commute he communicated with other people like you said uh in one of the pieces about the book that there was the, the villagers were feeding him and caring for him right and he had relationships and this is common about um stray dogs who are part of a village that's culturally different uh, than in the United States where we often think oh no that's horrible it's a stray but in some cultures right they consider a dog part of the community and they just feed it in in Nepal this was very commonplace and especially yeah the village setting is one thing but even in Kathmandu the capital there were always there were so many stray dogs so many dogs out and about and people often were very kind to these dogs and they would take pains to feed them or to try to care for them. They considered dogs to be guardians on the pathway to heaven. And you often see them on the staircases of temples, carved, carved dogs will be, mm -hmm. will be there as one of, the, was one of the many guardians. There's in fact a special holiday in Nepal just where you honor the dog, you know, and Kukur Puja, and we still do this. We take a garland and put it around the dog's necks and we put the tikka on the forehead and you give them a special meal and you recognize them. And our dogs, our dogs came to appreciate. In fact, after they had celebrated the, the Kukur Puja in Nepal, they kind of said, it's about time. <laughs> what, is, what is taking you so long to realize we should do this? 
But so in Nepal, you would see the way these dogs were treated. And there were dogs I'd see on, on my morning as I'd go to the embassy. And there were one, I'd see this dog often and he would be just striding along with such a sense of purpose. And you mm -hmm. felt like he was saying, oh, excuse me, excuse me, I am, a, I am on a mission. I am delivering a message for the gods. I, this is the way you felt that they, mm -hmm. they knew what they were doing and they expected us to begin to understand this. But um, yeah, and so although, no, I, you know, I, I felt connected to animals, but since meeting Loki and those words, that's these conversations were, were felt, they were experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that, cause I, I get that, you know, more, more often than I'd like where people are like, is this for real? Oh yeah. Right. Well, you're, you're, you're just, you know, a pet psychic as if that's a really bad thing. And I'm like, well, yeah. I'm having a conversation with an animal. I feel like it's very different. And do you want to add something? No, I was, you know, go ahead. Uh, you, well, you're having a conversation with us another sentient being yes and it's no different you know, like you speak other languages i speak other languages it's no different than speaking french with a person and just because somebody who only speaks one language doesn't understand you know i don't understand swahili that doesn't mean that what somebody is saying in swahili is really really important and might be important to me absolutely you know it was striking to me that after this and again we we communicate in different ways. With yeah. Loki, I did. Uh, you know, I, I still, when I walk the dogs, I mean, we still, I, I know what he's telling me. I, we know, we, we talk. But when we went on to Uganda, which was where I was ambassador after I was ambassador in Nepal, we went up one day, we went to the impenetrable forest to go find mountain gorillas. And we came upon a family of mountain gorillas. And it was a fascinating experience that you were surrounded by this family. It was 13, 14 with you know, the silverbacks and blackbacks and older silverback, mothers, babies who would come and tug at your, vet, at your vest and show you how tough they were. But at one point, I was sitting on a hillock and my legs were dangling a little. I'm trying to take a picture of a mother with a baby that wasn't too far away. And there was one black back who had been throughout the entire time we were with the gorillas was just watching. It was as if he was the designated watcher, mm -hmm. watching everything we do. And he was over in some bushes off to the side. And then suddenly, as I'm trying to take this picture, he came out of the bushes, circled around, came directly in front of me and reached out and he grabbed my ankle and held it like this mm -hmm. and just looked in the looked me in the eye now i probably should have been freaked out and this creature could have thrown me off or right. across the clearing but but there was again a communication i i didn't hear i didn't hear words there right. but i knew it was okay yeah. I knew that there was this connection and there was a power in that connection that truly was, was transcendent in some ways. I mean, the, the whole experience of being with our, our cousins in yeah. this setting 
was this powerful, powerful moment. And again, that sense of connection with other sentient beings and understanding that we might think we're somewhere near the top of some food chain, but that doesn't matter in terms of how we relate and, and how, we, how we communicate, how we speak to each other, I guess. Definitely. Well, when you said about grabbing your ankle, if we put aside preconceived ideas for an animal like that, it might be like grabbing your hand. Your, your hands yeah. were, were um, occupied with the camera. So this animal was like holding your hand. It, oh, absolutely. This was, this was, it was a, con, it was an, it was a connection. It yeah. was like, it was saying, I, it was saying, I see you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see you and, and we are, and, and there is something between us here. And it was, it was, it, it was the moment I still, I'm, I'm telling you the story. There you yeah. go. There must be a re, these, these are the moments that stay with us. They do. And what, you know, another thing besides your book, which is and the artwork is, is so beautiful, which I love how you and um, the illustrator were so intentional about making it beautiful and bringing the, bringing really the country to paper and to life and sharing it with the beautiful artwork. Um, I, I just think it shows your commitment. I I think Jane, our artist, Jane Lillian Vance, Jane is a woman that we had met in Nepal. And she lives here in Virginia. And we built a relationship and we are dear, dear friends uh, to this day. And her art is an, is an essential part of the story. And it mm -hmm. captures, Jane knows Nepal well, she knows Tibetan Buddhism well. And she has such a unique way of seeing the world. And she knows Loki as well. And she knows his story. And she's, she's met, met Loki. And all of this has come together. Even, even meeting, Jane, meeting Jane, all of the things that have led, led to the book and that have led us beyond the book. Right. And to keep it's all about this going. continued series of just serendipitous events one after another as if this is all meant to be okay so the artwork uh she captured jane did a fabulous job capturing loki's blue eyes and when you sent me pictures and i looked at recent ones loki's eyes are now a beautiful golden color that i realized that had they been that color rather than the vivid blue you may not have seen him it's it's possible because those those blue eyes stood out for me so very much. But even today, and his eyes did somewhere along the way, his eyes did change color. Mm -hmm. But even so, even with the, the his eyes today, people still when they meet this dog, they say, "Oh my God, look at those eyes! Look at those eyes!" Because they are penetrating, and they are deep, and they are thoughtful. You know, in the village. When I, when I met the dog uh, and I was asking about the puppy and how he had come there and all the rest, one of the things they said to me, was they said, oh, this dog is special. He has the mark of, he has the mark of four eyes. He has the, the brown strip over his eye, eyes, right? Yeah, the brown eyebrows, if you will. And they said, oh, that is a sign of wisdom. This is a sign of a special dog. And again, they were right. 
everything that happened that day, it was right. <laughs> now they let you take him. And when we go into other cultures, and, and I think that there's another point I wanted to make about, you know, we talk about doggy body language, uh -huh. nonverbal cues, but when a person goes into another country, in a way that's out the window, right? We, body yeah. language changes from country to country. It does. It, and so how, how did it come about that they actually trusted you to take this dog? And you, I know you couldn't buy a dog. Tell us how that you were able, why they entrusted him with you. Well, in part, I hope that they were listening to the dog as well, because yeah. Loki had told me in no uncertain terms that we were meant to be together. And I left him. I, I, went up, I went up to the monastery, but we had to come back through the village. And I'm still thinking about this puppy as we came back down. And when we came back down, we stopped and the, the head man of the village, uh, who was who happened to be the uncle of the boy who had originally found Loki, uh, and he had found Loki all alone on the side of a trail, just a few weeks old, emaciated, almost dead, and the the boy brought him back to Chakre. And the the mayor or the, the headman said to me, "Oh, Excellency, you must you must come for tea, you know, because it's a big deal, right? The American ambassador is visiting, so let's." So we'll have tea, and this was going to be. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to come and have tea. I said, but I said, first, can you tell me about this puppy? Because the puppy was sitting there still and staring at me. And I said, so could you tell me? And they began to explain how the puppy had been found and what the, what the background was. But in my mind, I'm thinking, but this puppy, this puppy says we belong together. And, and I felt that, I felt that. And I asked, I said, tell me, is this, would this puppy be for sale? And they looked at me and they said, Excellency, you must understand that here in Tibet, the word for dog is ki, which is also the word for happiness. So we consider dogs to be the source of happiness. So we do not sell them. We give them as gifts. And I don't know about you, but I, you know, I think, yeah, anybody listening to your podcast probably has a, has a certain thing for dogs. And if you got a certain thing for dogs, those words, dogs as the source of happiness. So we don't sell them, we give them as a gift. It touches you, it touched me. And all I could say was, yeah, I, and I said, that's, that's such a beautiful sentiment. And I said, that's really lovely. I said, would it be appropriate to give a gift in return? And they said, yes, <laughs> that would, it would be fine. And the gift was rupees. Now, somebody could say, well, so you're buying the dog. But it wasn't, it wasn't a transaction. It wasn't, you give us an X amount of money and we'll give you the dog. It was giving each other something though. And what I could give this young boy who had found Loki mm -hmm. were some rupees which would be tremendously important for him and for his family. And, they, and it helps and it makes a difference in a country like Nepal. So you felt like you were giving money like we might as a birthday present. It was a, a true gift. And it, absolutely. And in return, Loki, it, it was a gift. He, and they, the Nepalis in particular are the tremendously kind and generous people. They will, in the poorest village, if you come 
they will say you must sit, you must have dalbat. They may not have, they may not have enough food for their next meal, but they're going to feed you because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And to bring happiness to someone, to give them that gift, that matters. But also, and again, you know, the <clears throat> the book reflects what I truly do believe to be true from from what Loki has told me and from what I took away from this day. Loki had a spirit that was meant to be beyond just living in the hills, living in the mountains of Nepal. He's touched a lot of people along the way. He was meant to do many of these things. And I think he was meant to move beyond this village where he first was brought as a young pup. And I was just, I was a vehicle to help him along on his own path. And in that sense, I didn't feel that I was taking him away from his home. I was merely joining him on his journey. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yes, yes. I felt that way when I saw, I, I, I found the Ambassador's Dog, the book, on a sponsored ad on Facebook. And the dog jumped out at me, the artwork. Again, it's so beautiful. And I was like, I need to find out about this. And I here, here we are today on this podcast. And I do agree that this story is something that we want to share with the world. I'm, I'm on board with that. And not just about animal communication, because there are people, I use the analogy is that someone can learn to swim and have fun. And you can have that kind of relationship with a dog and you can understand your dog, like you go swimming and have a lot of fun, or you can take animal communication and active listening and tuning in to a higher level, understanding your dog or working with people as an ambassador. There's so many ways it goes, but this beautiful book is like planting a seed of understanding, appreciation for a culture, for dogs being open. It, it's, I just think it's a masterpiece. Well, Good job. Thank, thank you very much. And for me, this really has been, it's been quite the experience and it's been low key is not, low key is not my pet. Mm-hmm. You know, he's my partner, but you know, he's a companion. And he has chosen to share his journey with me and I, mine with him and our broader family as well. The other dogs, my wife, Leia, all of us are sharing this together, but it is a shared experience. And it's a reminder that not, of being open to hearing what other cultures, what, what our partners that we meet along the way, whether they have four legs or two, but uh, you talk about active listening. Yes. And this is what becomes so, was critically important as a diplomat, obviously. You had to be able and open to listening. You could not approach these things with preconceived notions about, you might know what you wanted, but just because you wanted and just because the United States wants it doesn't make it so. And it doesn't mean that these other nations or other partners might not see things differently. So we have to find that path to understanding. And it begins with listening. And that's what, that's what we, we always try to do 
And perhaps it was those years as a diplomat that made it easier for me to listen to low key that day. I don't, yeah, I, I only know that I felt that this was something that was meant to be. Yeah, we, we talk in the book, I write in the book about this puppy who had a dream and how the winds from the high Himalayas, just like the prayer flags, the idea of the prayer flag is that the prayers written upon these flags will be carried by the winds to, the, to their destination, to the heart of someone that you are praying for, to the universe, to wherever it may be. And just as the winds carry those dreams, the prayer, the, the wind horse that comes off the prayer flag in one of the images that Jane, Jane painted to travel with Loki's dream. Mm -hmm. That puppy did have a dream and it's, and the winds brought it to me as for whatever reason. But when I met a dog, it was meant, you knew, you just right. knew that this was meant to be. So there you go. So, wow. Thank you for sharing this and thank you for allowing Loki to not just be a dog that came into your life. Some people will think, oh, our dogs come into our lives to teach us something or for our needs. And it's like, well, maybe partly, but not just, maybe they want to work with us, as you said, and they have a mission while they are with you. Like Loki had a mission while he was in Tibet but, or in his town, you know, and then he went off with you and yeah. he shared this mission, his own separate way. And we need to allow our dogs to not just be, think that they're for us, but they can be for the world. And we have joined forces with them while we are together. Abs abs absolutely. And I think Loki's story, the story of this pup that didn't give up, the pup that refused to die, and should have died on the side of the trail all alone in a very rough and unforgiving environment. And this would have been, would have been during the month of March when the winds are still fierce and the winter cold is still holding onto the land in, in Mustang. That puppy should not have survived, but Loki refused, refused to, to die. He was determined to live. He was determined to, to do something. He had, a, he had his role. He had his mission. He had his dream. He had his beliefs. I, you know, I mean, and some folks will say, oh my God, you're building so much into this, but that's okay. You, you, we all get to make our choices. That's right. I, I know that this dog had a mission and his story inspires others. And this story gives us hope. And God knows in the past few years, we've had plenty of days where we could all use a little hope. Oh and my I, gosh. Uh, and, and Jane and I often laugh that not only was it fortuitous, yeah, all the things that brought both her and I together and the, with Leah and with an Amchi Lama in Nepal, and then this puppy who was blessed by the Amchi when he, yeah, and it goes on and on. But all of these connections, all of these things that were meant to be, you know, people can scoff at, they can dismiss, but we know how this feels. And then the fact that the book finally got written, I wasn't going to write it necessarily, but Leah, my wife, kept insisting. She said, you have to tell this tale. I was not just tell it, because I told it all the time, because people would ask about the dog and say, tell us about Loki. 
And our grandchildren wanted to hear the story of Loki again and again. And Leah said, you have to write this down. And Jane was the only one who could have illustrated this. And she kindly agreed to. But the fact that it was then published, well, first that the publishing house in Nepal, to have it published in Nepal, the Nepali publishers that we worked with are such wonderful, such terrific folks. And they took such care to match the images that Jane had provided with the text in a way that helped, that just enhanced the story so much. Theirs was an act of love, just as Jane's art was an act of love, just as my putting words on paper were an act of love. And this work is a reflection of a shared commitment. And then for the book to come out, just as the pandemic was really taking hold at a time when, again, in the world, I think we all felt the need for something to say, this makes me smile. This makes me feel positive. This gives me hope. So uh, it was, it all came together. And I, you know, when we say things were meant to be, it was meant to be. <laughs> so it was well, good. It's beautiful. And, and you've got some um, on your Facebook page for anyone who wants to learn more aside from buying the book. Um, it, it's like a, a video where the images have been put together. And I'm like, this could be a, a TV show. It's not a cartoon. It, it's masterful it's, art. It's a lovely uh, young man uh, in Richmond, Virginia, that Jane knew, uh, put together the, this trailer, if you will, mm -hmm. for us. And it really is, uh, yeah, every time I look at it, I just fall in love with it again. And the music, we, it's used with permission from Sir Suda, which is a, a classical Nepali musical group that, whose artists I know very well. They, they had worked with me. They'd come here to the U.S. and I traveled with them. We did shows on behalf of, I, I run a, a foundation doing work in Nepal and we were raising funds. But so their music coupled with Jane's art, coupled with you know, the, the story and the, the videography that this young man did, it's a, it's it's very nice. It's it's a it's a treasure for us certainly. Well, I think there's more to come. So I want to wrap this up. I could just have you share, but I I I'd, it's interesting. And we will invite Loki if Loki you want to come and add anything to the conversation. I'm going to let me move with this. We're going to move to the other room. Loki decides where he wants to settle down and. I did bring him in from the backyard for a bit. So he- uh, Well, that's fine. He did add about the villagers and that he felt part of it. But, but here, here he is, we're going to join him. He likes to sit in this room oftentimes. Is that your spot there? You can see everything. Loki, hi, remember me? We, we had a, a brief introduction the other day to talk about this, but we wanna let you have the final say. Um, okay, so you're right. So, uh, Ambassador Delisi, you touched on your receiving messages that you've had a knowing, that you had a feeling, and you heard Loki talk to you. And for people listening and like, well, how does this work? And someone else wants to have a say, hi, we see you too. You can talk too. But Gypsy, there sorry. are many different, Gypsy, it's fine. There are many different ways for anyone listening to receive messages from our animals. Just like with people, we can tell from a hug oh. to somebody 
how they are uh, feeling, or they can tell us they're not feeling, fine, you know, the different ways of receiving messages. So um, I just wanted to validate that, yes, for anyone listening, there are different ways. Ambassador Delisa, you have four dogs, and, and Loki just wants to get this out of the way. Also, I could tell that your communication, because people ask this with Loki, hi, Loki, you do have beautiful <laughs> eyes, that you have other dogs. There's four dogs in your home. There are. And how is your messaging with the other dogs? Like they're perking up and showing interest. Well, and each, do you want to comment on your communication with them and messages and the, the how? You know, each one, each, each one is a little bit different. But at the same time, honestly, with low key, I still you know, almost feel as though we do have these conversations. Mm -hmm. And with Gypsy, Gypsy as well. And Gypsy came along as to be Loki's little sister and his playmate. And she just, she has to be part of all the action. But so she's quite the, she's quite the conversationalist. Um, and I, I'm not kidding when I say that. The, the two older dogs, it's, it's a we know exactly where they are and in, in their heads and what they want and what they're talking about and what they what they need at any point in time. Um, it's different. I don't hear them speaking in quite the same way, but there's a power. Our littlest one, uh, is Gracie, who's around here somewhere, little miniature schnauzer. She has such, such tremendous energy, and that energy is, she vocalizes, you know, not in words, but she vocalizes, but that energy, you feel it, and you, mm -hmm. you know exactly that what she's telling you, whether it's, you know, when she wants to play, when she wants to go outside, when she wants, it's time, it's time for my medicine, dad, it's, yeah, it's time, Let, let's go, and she'll look at you, and she, the, She's one that just adores that closeness and being near you. And in all of this, you, you pick up every signal. You know how she's feeling at any moment in time. And Max is getting older. Max is, Max is getting, now. so are you, big boy. But Max is getting up there. He's 14 now. But he's, and you noted the other day, Liz, when we talked, he's a little creaky. Yeah. And things are a little harder for Max. But boy, he's still, you know, when, when we go for a walk, you can just, he, he glows, he beams. <laughs> you know that he's, he's a tune and you also, and he makes me feel guilty though. Uh, if, mm -hmm. I, if I go for a walk with one of the others and I can't take all four of them at once. And if he's left behind, he gives me that look. <laughs> you know what's going on. But anyway, yeah, we've got four dogs, four beautiful, wonderful dogs, including this guy who's shedding like crazy. He's losing that winter coat. Yeah, buddy boy, what do you got so, to say? Thank you for sharing that about the different dogs because people who um, might be trying animal communication and like, well, I can't get anything. Some dogs just are not as communicative. And sometimes our own abilities, we have, just like with people, we might have a greater connection with one person and understand them better than another. But that yep. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Oh, I, I feel that we, 
we've got a relationship with all four dogs mm-hmm. you know, and the relationship with each one is different. Yeah, you know, low keys is is deep. And if I can use the word, I'd say is deep and spiritual in mm-hmm. many ways. You know, the, the relationship with Gypsy is very dynamic and, and really robust. And she's she's a very she's very smart. I yeah. she really is. I mean, and it's not just, oh, what a smart dog. She's 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 aware and she's thinking and she's concerned about so much. And the other dogs are have reached a point in life, much as I have, where now is our time to to ponder what we have learned on our journeys and to share them. Where are you going, buddy? <laughs> Low key, we want to ask you if you have any words, if you want to have the last word to share anything that you want people to know, at least publicly. Some animals uh, are very private, and Lokia is, I don't get that Lokia is private, but Loki definitely knows the difference between what is private and what is public. So I'm going to go back. Hi, Loki. We, anything, buddy? <laughs> do you want to share anything for an audience? Now's your chance um, to, to add in and have the final say. Oh, gosh. So he's right. I said, do you want to have the final say? And he immediately is like, there is no final say. Oh, wow. Oh, I just, that caught my breath, Loki. You're right. Um, we don't always understand when an animal crosses over or the, the people ask about the other side, but Loki is clarifying, like I have a strong physical reaction in my heart kind of thing that there is no final say. Oh, okay, Loki, there is no final say. So let me rephrase that then. How should we end this conversation? Because, oh, read the book. The book, yes, we will. Um, you don't need to go, here you go. You don't need to go to uh, Nepal or go searching for magical, mystical experience. He's sort I get, sort of get the sense of play that this book is like bringing the journey to you wherever you are and you can start in your home and this is one offering oh my gosh so ambassador the the trail that you were on a hike that's sort of a metaphor like wherever all of us are on our journeys and we can open this book and imagine that we too are on our hike and our journey whether it's to understand our dogs or for any other journey in life, right, Loki? I just, um, I'm feeling it. You're right. We don't need to go across the world. We can start with a book. This is one offering, The Ambassador's Dog, that we can open up and even just looking at the pictures, start receiving. Well, I, I think you're right. I, I think you're right. And I, oh, hi, buddy. Yeah. Did you He's, What else, Loki? Do you want to add something? Okay, so he's all. I also get as he he did look outside, but it's like we don't even need to go outside. It's finding where you are. You can be inside and do this. It's don't overcomplicate it. You don't need to go outside. You don't need to get on an airplane. You can just sit and close your eyes. Well, I I I'd agree with him. Uh, Yeah, and it's what we said at the outset, wonder and mystery and beauty are all around us. They really are. It's just being open to finding them. And that's that's one of the things that Loki 
certainly our journey together has has shown me and it's 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 a really important lesson i think for us to take away in our lives and it's one that i take away yeah you're what is it buddy he's he you was more? did you have more to say so loki we're open we um if you want to add anything or if maybe if you want to go outside i think i think he's probably ready to go out but I just he's such a he's such a good boy. Um, yeah, buddy, we'll go on. Anyway, he's a he's a great dog. He's got a great book. And thank you, thank you for the kind words about the book. Could I just say, I if folks are interested in the book, it's available on Shopify. It's also available on Amazon. But I don't want them to pay thirty nine ninety nine. There is a seller who is, has it on Amazon, it's on Prime for $39.99, but we sell it for $19.99. And there are sellers on Amazon, if you look, who are selling it new at $19.99. So please don't, don't pay a lot more than you have to for the book if you, if you choose to buy it or get it from us at Shopify. We send them out from here. And uh, for special requests, we'll even have Loki potograph it. You know, <laughs> Now that's so nice. Well, I will include the information for anybody and sure. I will have links to um, the national public radio interview uh, to learn more. And I just want to encourage people to keep exploring this journey to understanding whether you use it professionally as Ambassador DeLisi was able to also use his active listening skills and make a difference, but also with your animals. It, there's so many ways, but that being open and putting preconceived ideas. Um, I just it's life is so much richer, I think for us because of the relationship with, with the dogs and it's not, again, you know, people talk about the difference that their pets make, but it's, it's not just having pets. This is having a relationship. And we've, it's something that has come home to us more and more, especially during the, the worst days of the pandemic when we were home much more with the dogs. And suddenly you realize that there was a lot more going on than, uh, than we might've appreciated. So it's, right. it's all good. It's all good. Liz, it's been a great pleasure. You too. You two are off to a walk or something. I'm sure. Enjoy your time. And thank you so, so much. Thank you. And take good care. Okay. You too. Ready to find out what your dog wants you to know? Visit talkingwiththedogs.com, book an appointment with me, and we'll find out.